0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spaschiano, joined, as always, by the BS Express himself. I'm back from injury. Benny, I'm ready to go. How are you feeling, buddy? You know, Dan,
2: uh, since I'm now semi-retired, I've had quite a bit of time to uh, to do some self-reflection. And, you know, Dan, I'm just a guy of average size, average speed, average cooking skills, and average SAT scores. But you know what? I parlayed that into a podcast career that, if I might say so myself, it's been quite excellent.
0: I agree. It has been, it's been a lot of fun and I I wouldn't be able to do this without you or the, uh, the quirks that you bring. And I know you're, uh, especially in retirement now, you're single-handedly keeping some of the uh, ladies of the night in Florida employed.
2: Well, and just for the record, my, my cooking skills are like beyond atrocious and my SAT scores are actually pretty good.
0: (laughs) Well, the, the fact that you're, uh, your your potential final match with Dominic Dinucci was going to be over at polenta. I should tell you everything you need to know um, about you know, I still your time in the had, kitchen, had, Benny. I haven't had that polenta yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> we uh, for the first time in the the series of our of our couple of years we've been doing this, Benny. We we had to miss a show last week. I'm uh, i was recovering from an injury. I'm, uh, but we're back with a vengeance this week, and we are uh, ready to go with a good part two. Benny, why don't to tell everybody who we got for uh, a part two of our interviews today?
2: Yes, sir. Now, our guest was with us only five weeks ago, and we just didn't have the time to cover a career that really last, has been lasted over half a century. So she's back with us uh, tonight. The 1976 Pro Wrestling Illustrated Women's Wrestler of the Year, uh, former NWA Women's Tag Team Champion, and a member of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, Miss Appeal herself, Susan Tex Green. Susan, welcome back to Dan and Betty in the Ring.
1: Thank you, Dan and Benny. It's been great. I had a wonderful time last time and enjoyed my stories, getting to relive them.
0: We, we loved hearing them. And like Benny said, we we barely scratched the surface. There's still a lot to talk about. Um, so I want to get right into it. Uh, obviously, Benny and I, uh, we listened to, we were talking about the, uh, the your first appearance a little over a month ago uh, in preparation for tonight. And one thought kind of jumped out at me. We we talked a lot about your time with, with Moolah. And she had a, a stranglehold uh, on women's championship. I mean, really, of course she did. She literally owned it. Um, I mean, as a male wrestler at the time, you could always jump to do another territory, go, you know, disappear for a little while, go up to New York, go to Texas, go wherever. Uh, you know, if you weren't going to win the main title or you weren't really liking your place on the card, you could. Go away for a little while and come back, and there was lots of options. As a female wrestler, you, you really didn't have the option to to run the territory circuit, uh, and certainly not get recognized as female champion anywhere you went. Um, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Mula was the only female champion uh, because of her stranglehold. How did you cope with that?
1: Uh, well, yeah, whenever I when I. <laughs> It was in order to wrestle. Joe Blanchard, when he trained me, and he realized that I wanted to be a full time wrestler and make my living. He sat there and said, "Then you're going to have to go to Lillian Ellisor. That's the woman that books all the women, you know, uh, across the U.S. Because uh, Dory Senior said he could use me a couple of weeks out of the year, and then Joe said a couple of weeks out of the year, and Fritz a couple of weeks out of the year, and I thought." Well, that's and, and Harley Race was going to do a couple of weeks, and Bob Goggle. And I thought, well, you know, I want to more, ask more than a couple of weeks out of a year. <laughs> you know? So I, I figured up there a couple of weeks was going to amount to about 12. So um, Joe Blanchard came over to my parents' house, and we called Lillian, Moolah. And, uh, you know, I didn't even know who Moolah was, because uh, Joe Blanchard, he used Bob Goggle's women and, and then Dory seniors women they had up in Amarillo so I I, I grew up watching Marie DeLeon and Evelyn Stevens and uh, Barbara Galento, Kay Noble, uh, Betty Nicolai, Jean Antone so I didn't know these women that were you know Tony Rose, Donna Christian Tello, um, Paula Kay, uh, Jan Sheridan and them uh, but until I got out here and I actually did not know Mula until she was standing across the ring I thought that that I was actually riding up there with Lillian. I didn't have no idea that I was going to be wrestling her that night until my mouth fell open and and, uh, Ron West came over and said, "What's wrong?" And I said, "I didn't know who she was," (laughs) you know, (laughs) so because she didn't introduce herself as Mula, and I never had seen the woman, you know. So that that's. But getting back to the question, it was just we did what the promoters wanted, and and we did what she asked, you know, or told us, uh, and, and we knew that, that if she ever dropped the belt, she told us from the get go that it would, she would drop it down to her, her granddaughter, uh, Suzanne, which never ever thought about becoming a wrestler. You know, she had no intentions and no desire to be a wrestler. Uh, but that we all knew coming in, uh, and Tony said she knew it and back in 73 when she started that that was her intentions to drop the belt to her, her granddaughter if she dropped it to anybody. And, of course, uh, Moolah's belt was not considered the NWA belt. It was just the world belt that had her name and the Baltimore, Maryland, and the date that she wanted back in 54, 56. 1848. Uh, uh Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Uh, I know Mildred uh, was crowned Mildred Burke, the NWA. She was the West Coast um, NWA world champion because they had three. June Byers was the central um, running from uh, Texas uh, over to Mississippi, I think, and straight up. And then I, I ain't been able to find out who helped the the eastern coast NWA belt, but um, June Byers had one for the central NWA world, women's world champion, and Mildred had for the west coast. Uh, and then uh, Mildred also had one that the, Mike Labelle and them had when they were when, when Buddy Wolf and her were running the women, and and they actually wanted to join. Forces with Mula to where they, we could interchange the women that she had with her women to where we could travel across the U.S. and because Mildred had the stronghold in Japan and Mexico, so if you worked for Mildred, you you were going to Japan and Mexico. And 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 whenever I'd left Mula in '74 and was gone for four months, um, I went and worked for. I was driving a tractor trailer, and I'd have a layover for. A week or so, and I ended up getting a hold to Mildred and going by the gym and working out with her men and girls that she was training. And she said there and I said, "You know, you let me know, and I can get you booked in Japan and, or Mexico." And I sit there and said, "You know, I can only go for a week. You know, I, I'm only out here five days when I come out. So, the four months that I was away from Moolah in '74, I worked for Mildred, and of course, she called Sam Mushnick." and said could she put her nwa world belt on me and then he said that i think did she think could i represent that belt like it was represented back in her day which they put it on her in 1948 uh i mean that date was on the belt and i thought you know i had no intention of wanting that belt and of course when i went down to mexico they said there wanted me to drop the belt and I said, I'm here for one match and I wasn't told by Sam Mushnick or Mildred Burke that I was dropping the belt. You no, know, if you can take it, take it. But I'm not dropping it to anybody. Well Moolah does and I said, That's Moolah's belt. It's got her name on it. She can double what she wants it and of course they knew that I had worked for Moolah before. And you know, and that I was with Mildred at the time. And I said, you know, if y'all call Mildred or call Sam and they tell me to drop it. There's no problem, but I'm here for one match. So we got no chance for me to win the belt back, you know? And, um, uh, so, uh, and then of course, Mildred is the one that taught me how to really make the money. Cause she said, if they want to take you out to dinner, put a price on it. If they want you to be, uh, sightseeing, put a price on it. If they want you to go to the dojos, put a price on it. So, you know, I'd go over there for $1,500 for one match. And, um, uh, walk away because they was taking me to put me on display because i was there and i said i stood out being six foot and blonde headed That um we always drew a crowd uh, wherever we were outside sightseeing, and and i said i was getting paid so i'd come back with five or six thousand dollars in my pocket and wow. go over there <clears throat> went over there with one match for 1500 you know but i said mildred you know taught me that and then when i i set her down and told Mildred, I said, you know, I want to go to the other places. And, of course, the LaBelle's there in Los Angeles. If I was there, they, they we might get Bakersfield or, or maybe the Olympic once in a while. But I sit there and said, it wasn't any guaranteed thing that, because her girls had regular jobs. And unless they were going to Japan or Mexico. Um Sometimes they showed up and sometimes they didn't. And, and most of the U S used Moolah's girls because if she said you was going to be there, you were going to be there, you know, uh, um, hell and high water wouldn't keep us from making a town. You no. Know, uh, but, but, um, with Mullah, with her having that belt, it was just, we knew when you work for her, that's just the way it was, you know, uh, and and, and um, whenever I came back, of course, I'd called her and said, you know, could I come back? And she said, yes. Uh, and whenever I got in, she said, there and said, you know, don't expect that the, what happened out on the West Coast to happen here because it never will. And I said, I didn't think it would. Of course, in 76, when she slapped me in the middle of the ring there and um uh, dallas in the sportatorium and i ended up uh, shooting on her and taking her belt from her and I, I the little clip they have on youtube it says five days i actually had it five months i carried that belt everywhere i went <laughs> you know uh, and then and, and actually put it in a bus locker at the bus station greyhound uh when ben senior paid for me to fly up to connecticut to have a talk about giving her the belt back. Yeah. Uh, and and I actually got a picture in Madison Square Garden of me handing the belt back to her uh, because I, I wrestled Paula Kay that night, and she ended up wrestling Vivian St. John, and, and that was one picture she did not want m- Monk taken. And, uh, and I had it taken with my camera because I wasn't going to take any chances of any photographer saying, oh, we'll send it to you, we'll send it to you. Um, it was gonna be on my camera and and uh so you know she can't deny that i had that I handed her the belt back <laughs> there at Madison square mm-hmm. but uh it it was uh quite amusing whenever they had, I got back from Connecticut and knew my car had been gone through there at the airport, and then when I got up to my apartment. <laughs> Uh, I lived in one of the houses she rented by myself, and, and it had been totally gone through. And I thought I could have put stuff back to where I'd have had to kind of look to see that my stuff had been messed with. But you didn't find it, did you? <laughs> so, but uh, Ben, you know, and, and me making her or me getting senior to pay $1,200 for me to give her the belt back. Um, back in 76, you know, I didn't want the belt. You know, I mean, it had her name on it. It didn't mean nothing. It wasn't, you know, what was I going to do with it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but then <laughs> tell everybody I beat her and I wasn't giving it back to her. Uh, all all she did was she didn't book me for the five months I held the belt. You know, uh, she didn't work. <laughs> The five months. Wow. Uh, but um, she should have known um, because she broke my ribs in, in Kansas City, was wrestling for Harley Race in Kansas City, and she kicked me in my ribs and cracked my ribs. Well, the next night we were in the Maple Leaf Garden, and the doctor realized I had cracked ribs, and he sat there and told the that that uh, I shouldn't be wrestling, you know, because the ribs could possibly break and puncture my lung. And, uh, of course, Merva said a few choice words and you know, of, of what she thought, you know, what a wuss was, and I thought, uh, I'm from Texas. I can take you any day of the week. <laughs> you know, I can do whatever they want. And, of course, this championship match in, Ma- in Maple Leaf Garden was a two out of three. And, uh, I guess it was about Three or four minutes into the first fall, um, I went to bill her, and she she didn't want to take a bill out of the corner, and I ended up trying to go for the second, and I thought, you're, you're taking this bump. You know, I've been flying everywhere for you for three minutes, uh, and then uh, I ended up shoving her head down, and she was hanging on to that second rope uh, uh, with her right arm, and... Uh, about the time I lifted and shoved her head down, and I was lifting up with that left arm, um, I put so much pressure on that left collarbone that the collarbone snapped. And when I heard it pop, and, of course, when she hit the mat, it, it was a compound break. Ooh. And and I, I started getting out of the ring. And the referee says, this is a two out of three. And I said, it's over for her. And uh, she spun up with her hand over her collarbone, and you saw the blood trickling through her fingers, and he said, Oh my God. And I sit there and said, It's over. Well, the next night, I was supposed to be wrestling Mula at Madison Square Garden. And it, the match I wrestled was against Kitty Adams. And if you listen to the commentating, it sits there and says, If I look disappointed, it's because uh, it was supposed to be a championship match against the fabulous Mula. But I had broke her collarbone in Maple Leaf Garden the night before, so she was unable to defend. Defend the, defend the belt that night you know? and I sat there and said uh, and then she tried to get smart with me in Texas and I took her belt and I said she should have realized she was just coming back from a broke collarbone that I could beat her if I wanted to you know. and of course Joe Blanchard and like when I'm training somebody I said I'm going to teach you how to do what a promoter wants you to do I'm going to teach you how to defend yourself if somebody tries to beat up on you. And I said, because there's a few people out there that, guy-wise, that um, when they realize that I train you, they're going to try to get smart with you. But I want you to be able to know what you need to do to defend yourself and not be taken advantage of. And then also show you that if someone... You want to just flat go out and fight because somebody gets pissed off, and you know you got a battle coming. Then you're going to know how to shoot. You know you're going to be able. To, and I said because there's many a fight that starts out as a work as I did with Moola there in this sportatorium that turned into the shoot. Uh, and and you, you and when I first started, of course, Joe Blanchard didn't smart, smarten me up, and I came out here uh to Mula and she didn't smart me up and uh Charlie Smith went by and there in Savannah and smartened me up by saying baby face over and I was trying to argue with the girl that I was wrestling Peggy Patterson. You know, how does he know? How do you know, you know, 'cause everybody I knew had beat me up, you know. Uh I actually went up to uh Nick Goulas and and wrestled Cora Combs and um all she said was, "Kids, you need to put some weight on and I thought, "Ma'am, I'm still in high school. No, I'm a swimmer and a tennis player. I'm just doing this on the holidays." <laughs> and it was like, "Oh my God!" Uh, but you know, they legitimately beat me. And then when Joe Blanchard, he had a time limit. He'd sit there and say, "I know you run for tennis and swimming. Uh, so when you hear him say five minutes, just start running the last five minutes." You know, and and that's how I ended up the matches against Marie DeLeon or K. Noble or, or um, Barbara Galento that I'd go of Broadway uh, or the time limit because I'd outrun them at the end of the match. You know, I'd start jumping over the top rope and doing everything just to stay away from them so they couldn't get me. Um, and I sit there and said, you know, Joe, I guess j- – he thought he was going to get me to take that scholarship in swimming. And I sat there and I said, you know, um, my parents said, as long as I graduated high school, I could follow the career I wanted. You know, I wasn't going to be forced into doing anything that I didn't. And I said, I swam and played tennis to show Mr. Blanchard I could take discipline, you know, uh, and then he'd saw me get beat up from playing tennis, sliding on the, the clay courts and all that. And then, Playing on the hard courts, I sit there and said I'd be sliding and putting my knee down, and I sit there and said, I guess that was a turf burn (laughs) Uh, playing tennis. But I sit there and (laughs) said to me, it turned turned out to be a mat burn (laughs) from wrestling. But uh, you know, being one of those girls, it was just you knew you you was gonna travel, uh, and and. But I have to sit there and say that after I left Moolah when my neck and back was broken she told her boyfriend that I was driving the wrecker for, you know, whenever he came up to see me to let me know that that she thought it was the best thing that ever happened to me, get me getting my neck and back broke and paralyzed and I thought I just looked at Bubby and I said, You tell her I will be back You know, and then I uh got and what made me be able to come back, I mean I was paralyzed. I, I, they wasn't expecting me my parents had me flown well my father was in the oil field he was a driller and the man that he worked for had an independent company and had a jet and he flew the jet out to pick me up because the hospital wasn't going to release me and they had doctors and nurses on board to transport me because I was paralyzed and and my, parent, my mother had to sign for me to because the hospital didn't want me to leave uh And all, but I said, then we landed in Corpus Christi and the hospital had an ambulance waiting for me to be transported to the hospital there. And uh, it had been too long to set the neck or back uh, for them to do anything. When I got there, it was just immediately start physical therapy and see um, how I could respond. And, And I know with me... I sit there and tell a lot of people, you know, once you get the love of wrestling in your heart, <laughs> if it's not in your heart, you're not going to make it because when I train somebody and I'm having a hard time with them, I sit there and say, y'all need to go home and sit in the middle of the floor, TV off, radio off, nobody bothering you, not a dog or a cat around you. Um, Turn your phones off and sit there and think what you really want. Because if you don't love wrestling, and I said, I know that you're going to be hurting in the morning from being thrown all over the place and having to learn how to fall and getting up and hitting the ropes and and everything. I said, if, if you can't wait to get back out here to see me again, then you need to think of something else you want to do. Because if it's not in your heart, you can't convince your brain that you want to do it, you know. And and with me, it's just the love of wrestling that you know. And and of course, it wasn't the money in my day. Uh, I said because um, there at Moolah, if you made ten or twelve thousand in a year, that was a good. You did a lot of good. Uh, I know some girls that only made two or three thousand for a whole year. You know. Um, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, of course, if you didn't have any money, you didn't have to worry about paying the rent because you lived on her property. And, and um, I look back now and, and look at all the buildings that she had and the houses the trailers. And when I had to go out there, when I was working for the city as a, uh, zoning inspector, I had to look for the septic tanks and the, and I sit there and, and I told Tony Rose, I sit there and I said, you know, there wasn't a, uh electric meter on any of those houses or trailers. <laughs> I like what? I said, there was only one septic tank and it was at, behind the house that I lived in. So it should have been the house, that, the septic tank that I was hooked up to. And I said, it was bone dry. And I said, uh, but she had her Nephews that worked in construction and all that, so they knew how to. But uh, don't know where she got the power from, where she got the water from. But the water bill was always the same. The the electric bill was always the same. Yeah, and of course your rent <laughs> was always. Um, well, it was forty dollars a week. So you know it was you couldn't live in a hotel. Well, I guess you might have been found something that cheap back in the 60s and 70s, but um, you didn't have to worry about paying it. And and the girls, most of them that left would end up owing Mula so much money that uh, she could always sit there and say, well, you know, they left owing me money. And I sit there and said, that's why I always had a job. you know." And and when her boyfriend found out I had a CDL license, it was like, you know, I wanted to learn to drive a record. And I said, sure. Well, of course, Mueller didn't think I would be able to do it, and then didn't think that I would sit there and and sit, do it all the time. You know, I'd get up in the morning, be there at six o'clock, and stay till six o'clock. And he was paying me hourly pay and showing me how to work on cars, and I was getting paid. Uh, if I took the wrecker on the weekend, I you know, it'd say fill up the the wrecker, and and the rest of the money's yours uh, because I go around to the bars and say, you know, i got a record. And most of them were the militaries, uh, uh, people that I was getting back on the base. um, So they wouldn't be driving in drunk and get caught. I'd get them back to their barracks and either disconnect the battery and then reconnect it to some that whenever they'd stop me at the gate, I said, well, they got a flat and then I'd air up the tire. And I had two gates. (laughs) I go in gate three on one, place and go out gate one on the other and then come back in on gate one and go out gate three because that was the only two gates that were open (laughs) on the weekend Uh, and and I said so I was making money and then uh, she didn't like it you know of course she'd send me on the road with another girl or three other girls and they wouldn't have a penny in their pocket Uh, and, and I would be sitting there saying don't worry about it I got the money you know so I would front them for a whole week or until we got, if, if we was going from one territory to another uh, until we got to get an advance, and I sit there and said a lot of times uh, she'd send us 400 miles well I guess one of the, the worst bills she'd send us to Washington, D.C. which was 500 miles without interstate Uh, we was going all the back roads uh, because interstate didn't go all the way <laughs> you know, you got on the toll roads when you hit D C well it's going to V C for T V and she'd always sit there and say, you know, y'all go up there and then in two weeks you're gonna go back and get to run the, the circuit for D C well then she'd send up four other girls that didn't make the T V. You know, you and then I sit there and I said, it would be somebody that owed her money in but we'd go up there for the T V for twenty five dollars. And I said there and I said, You pay her thirty percent of that twenty five dollars and then with me, they'd be paying me two cents a mile, and so it'd be a thousand miles. And I sat there and said, they wouldn't even make enough money to pay the PC, the percentage, and me if for twenty-five dollars. But you know, he sat there and said, well, that's what they pay for TV. But I thought, which we never got a ten ninety-nine from Senior or WWWF. So we don't really know what we made. You know, I, I hear all the girls talk about making the 3000 the 6000 the 8000 for Madison Square Garden, and I sit there and said, I was the second girls match, and I made $200. <laughs> uh, and uh, Roy Shires was one of the the better-paying promoters because he would pay you for the type of match you gave. If you went out there and had a hell of a match, uh, and and there was a hundred people. You might get three or four hundred dollars, uh, where anywhere you know, else, you know, we might expect to get fifty for that kind of crowd. And it didn't matter how good or how bad the match was. But uh, Roy and I sat there and said, um, the Cow Palace. The first time I wrestled there, uh, Mule had said we were going out for four hundred a week, and um, we were there for. Three weeks and uh, the our first show was the Cow Palace and, and he came in and they handed us each one of us an envelope and we had $1,200 uh, in each envelope and I thought is this for the whole tour this all three weeks and he said no that's just the percentage for tonight yes. and I thought <laughs> $1,200 for one match <laughs> tonight <laughs> You know. Now we we did do a two out of three at at the Cow Palace, but I said there I said back back in the day if, if it was a tag team, um, uh, we knew it was gonna be a two out of three. You know, um uh, just the way it was. Um uh, and uh if we was in the Oklahoma territory, um uh, we knew if we were gonna have um uh, if it was just one, one girl, just a single match, I said we would go out and have a, guys. would go out and have the first match. Then uh, the second match would be our match, and then they'd be having a third match. Uh, and then we'd go out with whoever was in the first match, guy-wise, and be in the semi-main in a mixed tag. So we knew in Oklahoma and Louisiana territory that we were always going to be working doubles and 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 the the was going to have a mixed tag. <laughs> You know, if it was just two of us in the territory, if there was four of us, it was going to be uh, single matches. And then, uh, especially with Donna, uh, Tristan Tello, and Tony Rose, it'd be uh, we'd go out and have a single match with one of them, and then we'd go back in the semi-main in a world tag team, you know, uh, and two out of three. So I sit there, and I said, um, that, that, uh, and we'd do that. You know, okay. And I will have to say that Oklahoma Territory, which included Louisiana and Mississippi, Arkansas, uh, that that it was some long miles without the interstate. Um and and, and was doing this for and, and when I say long miles, I would be sitting there saying I do two or three thousand miles in a week in Oklahoma territory. And and um uh, for $400 for the week and then uh-huh. Moolah would get a Mula would get 120.
2: Yikes. Yeah. You know, rumor so, has it that uh, Mula actually won the Wagon Wheel Invitational and that's how she got the belt. Um, Susan, I have to ask you a question because uh, it, you, you, and you actually, it's a two-part question, but you kind of okay. addressed both of the questions. Um, you, know, you told us about how you shot on Moolah uh this is the first part didn't did anybody beside you shoot on mula and if they did what was the consequences and number two you know when you did break your neck uh you know when when vicky broke her neck it seems like for all intents and purposes she was done but you did come back and you wrestled for uh quite a bit after that was it was it because it was just to show mula that you could come back or was it just because of your pure love for wrestling
1: my pure love of wrestling. Uh, I, I, I couldn't, you know, I, I ended up training my niece and I told Joe Blanchard in 82, I said, I said, you know, uh, for three months I've worked with my niece and he, he started having me and my niece run some of the shows for him that he was running when he split from Fritz and, uh, we were being tag teamed uh, as aunt and niece, uh, And I said, it's a whole lot harder to train somebody than it is to wrestle. I said, so he ended up um, getting a couple of matches with me and Evelyn Stevens. And um, uh, then he sat there and he says, if you really want to wrestle, I can get you in touch with Steve Ricard over in New Zealand. And I said, okay. So I called Steve Ricard and, and uh I talked to Peggy Patterson and, and she went and we went over to New Zealand and wrestled for a three week tour that turned into being a five week tour because we came back and ended up wrestling in Tonga and Samoa. And I sat there and said, said, uh, whenever we started to land in Tonga, I said, I'd never even heard of this country. And I sat there and said they had to take our baggage in one plane and two planes had to bring the wrestlers because we had on a little crop duster. And, of course, it started going down, and I thought, Flair, can y'all see a, <laughs> an island out there? Because it had two seats on one side, this little plane, and one seat on the other. And I was sitting in the one seat, and I was looking out, and Rick was and he sitting there. and said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I can see the water coming up, but I don't see nothing to land on. <laughs> well, uh, it was, Tonga is just a little bitty island that's ran by a king, you know. Um, and, and and I sat there and said, we we touched down and was there for two days and ra- wrestled for the king. And, and, um, and that, that that was one country I said, I don't really want to go back. <laughs> I, said, I don't want to think about my bags being on one plane and me having to be on another and hoping like they, that no one lies about how heavy they are uh, because the planes can only hold so much weight. <laughs> uh <laughs> so, but, uh, and, uh, so coming back on my neck and back and and you know, I'm, of course I had to learn to walk, you know, I, I, I was paralyzed, <laughs> you know, so it was just the, the idea of, of my love for wrestling that, that, and, and having the dedicated physical therapist that I had that was willing to work with me and, 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 and give me confidence that, you know, not to give up, you know, um. When I, one of my toes started twitching, you know, it was like, you know, well, you're getting the feeling back. It's, you know, you just got to believe. And it's like, so they gave me a lot of encouragement. Um, and and um, I guess I, I don't know that Vicky had heat with Moolah, but obviously uh, when she got her neck broke and for Moolah to say, you got to leave, um, you know, you can't ever wrestle again. You know, you, 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 you know, Mula sat there and said how many times she's had stuff wrong with her that that she came back from. Uh, she never talked about back or neck being broke, but um, leg being um, busted up and fractured and being able to go on. And I thought, you know, you just got to have that dedication to want to do. And uh, no one, to my knowledge, ever shot on Mula except me. Uh uh whenever she promoter asked her to drop the belt um overseas in Japan and Mexico, she would. Uh but they knew that they didn't get to carry the belt, you know, they got to win it there in Tokyo and then whenever she was leaving, uh she won it back in Tokyo. Uh so you knew your first shot was gonna be in Tokyo and then your your leaving shot was gonna be in Tokyo when you went to to Japan, you know, but after I left her and when my neck and back was broke, of course, the last three years I worked for her, uh, after I shot on her and the contract that I had been draw up and then I went to another attorney to have it make sure all my T's and were crossed and my were dotted, uh, I made him pay that attorney for reading it to make sure that it was something that wasn't, couldn't be broke, uh, and then they drove me back and I had to pick up the taxi cab, uh to get me back upstairs and then pay me the the twelve hundred but um with with all of that, you know um it was that I never had to wrestler again, so any match after seventy six um, in and sportatorium, they've changed the date and 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 um but I never wrestled her out for 76, and then she forced me to, or the, and said I had to get off the property. And I got an apartment and ended up getting uh, two female drill sergeants that were stationed there at Fort Jackson to be roommates. And we had a three-bedroom house, and I sit there and I said, you know, I was driving the wrecker and, and, and had them. And I sat there and I said, if, if I was gone uh, for a month, they'd pick up the tab, the the mortgage, And then pay all the electric, I'd come in and be expecting to give them, you know, my part of the mortgage and the lights and all that. And they said, you wasn't here. You don't owe nothing. You know, so it was good that I, I, she kicked me off the property, but I never wrestled. The only girl I wrestled that knew, well, she didn't know uh, how she got with me. It was whenever the territories Moolah started, we worked for Johnny Hunter, which was an independent uh, uh, outlaw group. And I wrestled Donna Cristitello in a single match. And she says, I'm not going to ask any questions. And she got a ride with one of the guys that was passing through. And um, I said, you know, I, I can take you back if you want, Donna. And it's like, all right, we can, we can talk, And but I'm not going to ask you any questions. I said, good. You don't ask any questions. I don't have to tell any lies. So, you know, I, I wrestled uh, Susan Starr before she was really, you know, I guess one of the first matches out of the, the, I guess all the green girls that the other girls were training, Vicky Williams and Donna, and then with um, Candice uh Penny Mitchell before, you know. So I was getting all these girls that, you know, they they thought I was just one of the girls that was, in the territory, they didn't know who I was with. And I sit there and would ask him, I, I would pick them up at one of the seven 11s. Mullen would drop them off and I'd pick them up. And then I'd sit there and tell them, you know, I'll drive you back in because uh, I knew your back road in. And I said, I can't get you right through your trailer, or your apartment, but I can get you close. You know, so you won't have to get a taxi or you don't have to walk from the seven 11, which was better than a mile. And I sit there and said, that was stupid. But she didn't want the girls to know that I was one of that I was still working for her, uh, right up to my to my neck and back being broke. Uh, but I said whenever I didn't go back, whenever I came back from my neck and back, and I started doing all the independent shows and, and got into uh, uh, working with Rhonda saying Monster Ripper. Uh, uh, I said, you know, we were partners together. We were. Opponents against each other, uh, uh, but I saw more of the world and I made bigger payoffs uh, with her um, than I did ever with Mula. You know, so I said because we'd go in for two or three thousand a week, and I said Mula, you know, was sending us for <laughs> three or four hundred. And, and of course, uh, Judy Martin had said there and said that she made. 800 in japan and i sit there and said well i wish we'd have been making 800 (laughs) (laughs) but uh, i know you asked about the pgwa um me and judy did not start that we had the very first match in my gym uh pain and glory um randy powell he still runs it um it it, i'm his commissioner um uh, because after i um got mugged on the job for when i was working with the city um and was in the hospital for the 121 days he he didn't want to take a chance on anything happening and i said they just beat me so bad they left me for dead (laughs) jesus you know uh so but i said you know uh and then the, the back surgery i had to have For them to do the exploratory, I said I was beat so bad. It was the cracked ribs that ruptured my colon and my intestines. Uh, But they'd probably been leaking from December the twenty second, 27th when I was attacked to February the 9th when I ended up. My knee went out and I hit my head on the uh, counter in the bathroom and, and I called a friend. I said, I can't get my head to quit bleeding. Can they come and take me to the hospital? because i'm sure i need stitches well they got me there and i said just give me a shot of cortisone in my knee and and then because they were running all kinds of tests and they were saying my liver was working and then my liver wasn't working well they had to get a doctor from the baptist hospital to come over because i'd been to the emergency room twice at lexington and they just said i was dehydrated you know and and So nobody would touch me at that hospital whenever I went in for them to sew my head up. They they sewed my head up and gave me the cortisone shot, but they had to get a surgeon to come from another hospital that didn't practice there uh, to do exploratory surgery. And he sat there and said, when he opened me up, uh, my colon and my intestines both just ruptured. Uh, And it was like, which one do I? And, of course, I had tubes to drain all the bacteria out and all the infection from the, the colon and the intestines leaking. And, of course, from the epidural they gave me, I ended up being paralyzed on the right side. So I had to learn to walk again after being in the hospital for 121 days. And it came back from that, you know. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, the PGWA is ran by Randy Powell and and. and he tries to do an all-girls show when I was up at one in North Carolina when, um, he presented me and Tony Rose with the Penny Banner Excellent Award uh, for our years of wrestling and had, had, um, uh, Wendy Banner, um, actually, uh, present us the, the plaques that he gave us. Uh, so it was Penny's daughter that ended up giving us our awards up there and, and Mount Airy, North Carolina. So, uh, but um, did I answer all the questions? (laughs) I got to running. No, that's
0: that's uh, great. I actually I was hoping I could pick your brain on something. Um, We're recording this. It's it's the thirty first. The WWE just had their their annual um, Royal. Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Um mm-hmm. I was I wanted to ask you about that because the the news came out that the Royal Rumble sold over 45,000 tickets and had a box office of 7.7 million, which oh. was not only the highest grossing for for that period, but the that one pay-per-view outgrossed AEWs four top four pay-per-views combined. Now I'm not trying to compare them. I'm just pointing out that this is a period when the general consensus is wrestling is the least watched and, and most uninteresting that it's ever been, but it's, it's the highest grossing. And I was wondering kind of a combination of, of bouncing off something Benny had said with your, your wrestling time and, and various other events. Did you ever think when you were running around, uh, when you first started with Moolah and your time and seeing the business then, that wrestling would get as big as it is now. That even in a slow period, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars a year changing hands.
1: No, uh, you know, um, you know, back when I was running the roads, um, you know, my '73 Galaxy that I bought in '72, it was just off the market and had two tenths of a mile on it. And I gave three thousand dollars cash for it you know uh, i I bought a twenty twenty santa fe uh and and you know there's wanting thirty five thousand for it, you know of course I, I talked cash and got it for twenty uh so you know I, I sit there and I said cash cash talks I thought, <laughs> right? know, yeah yeah uh and and um so but um. I mean, you know, and, and to sit there and see some of the contracts that the girls got, you know, uh, Charlotte and saying two hundred and fifty thousand, but you know, they're whenever they go overseas, they have to pay. Well, they have to pay for their own tickets. They have to have their own life insurance and medical insurance. They have to, of course. Back in my day, if you didn't wrestle, you didn't get paid. Well, now if you get hurt so bad that you can't wrestle, um, you get your paycheck deducted, you know, so you may be making 250,000, but if you take off, well, it means you're not getting part of your money. Right. Uh, uh, but we wrestled hurt, you know, and, and didn't think nothing of it.
0: That was, uh, you know, it's actually funny that, that they mentioned that recently, what, I guess about a month ago, um, Bailey had torn her ACL and was out for a little over a year. It was, I think 13 months. They said that she missed. Mm-hmm. And in yeah. the year she was, she was out, no television, no interview appearances, just rehab and performance center training. And mm-hmm. her, her contract was 350,000 to basically stay yeah.
1: home. Yeah. Uh
0: yeah. you're 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 telling us scraping by on on 200 a, a show it's it's crazy to see how far things have come what do you think yeah. benny
2: yeah i mean uh, i was going to answer that question like if, if you could if you had a wrestling time machine what and you could wrestle in any era where would you wrestle because you know i in my mind i mean i'm still stuck in the territory days and that's the wrestling that i love But at the same token, like we've had so many uh, wrestlers on our show that, you know, they they made next to nothing going from these territories. And, and you know, they they didn't wrestle. They got hurt, whatever. You know, the house sucked. They got, you know, they they made nothing. It was so Susan, where, where would you want to wrestle? Would you want to wrestle today, or would you want to stick back to you know, no, where you were? No,
1: yeah, I, I, I don't even watch wrestling today unless I see um, Natalia and, and Charlotte, Ashley, if they're going to wrestle because I know those two girls can wrestle. You know, uh, the other ones you have to be acrobats. Now Charlotte can be a gymnast because she was in school. You know, uh, she can do the back flips and all that. But I said there and I said, if, if you get down to it. She can do a step over toe hold. She can do a top wrist lock. She can do a headlock takeover. She can, you know, um, she can go hold for hold, just like Natalia. I mean, being trained by the hearts in the dungeon, uh, you had to know wrestling before you knew all the other crazy. Uh, And and there's too much stuff they do today that is going to break your neck or tear your ACL if it don't, you know break a neck or an arm or (laughs) or bust your head open and give you the concussions that that put you out. Uh, Because if you get a severe enough concussion, you know, they're going to take you out, and there goes your contract, you know. um, So, but uh, uh, the era, you know, I would have, I talked to June Byers uh, because she lived uh, just outside Houston uh, before I started, uh, before I left, I I guess, well, I was, I guess in 69, I went to her, her house and, and talked to her and uh, she always sat there and whenever Joe had called her and she, she called me and sat there and learned that I was going to be coming out to Moolah's place and she sat there and said, kid, I'm just going to tell you, be, walk to the beat of your own drum. When you get out there, don't listen to her drum. Don't let her be the major. And I thought, yes, ma'am. You know, I would have loved to be in the era with with Penny Banner. I, now I did wrestle Penny Banner and in 74 uh, she said whenever I wrestled her for the last time she said when she saw me uh, how much I'd gotten fitter and put the weight on I wasn't the string bean that she'd wrestled the year before uh, because I'd been to Roy Shires and he wanted me over 200 pounds and then <laughs> Miller didn't have a choice but to let me keep the weight on because he said, if you don't uh, let her keep the weight on, then I won't use your girls each May. So I sit there and said, that was one of the bills in my contract that I got the West, West coast tour every year. But, but Roy put it blunt, you know, he wanted me every may because he knew that I would draw a crowd. And, and, uh, and that was for San Francisco and, and, and Las Vegas. And also I sit there and said that, that, um, uh, and I guess he he didn't care who else came along, but I said I I was I don't want to say it because I'm from Texas, but I sit there and said I, I never meet a stranger, you know. I'll pass somebody and start sitting next to him and talking to him, you know. Like uh, sitting in an airport, <laughs> sitting on a plane, you don't, you know. I'm I'm not going to be sitting there bored, you know. If if and I guess in Dallas, whenever I when I was heading to. Uh, St. Louis to to Rassimula. They was holding the plane to g- get me to St. Louis, uh, and, and that tells you how long ago they wouldn't hold the plane now. They'd give the seat away, but uh, or give it to a standby passenger. But they was holding, it, and a boy was in a wheelchair, and I was running, and he he held a program up, and I said I let my Samsonite suitcase go sliding across the 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 floor, and I went sliding to a stop because I had my Western boots on, they had leather soles, and I went sliding and then running back to him to sign his program, and they're hollering at me, and, you know, they're holding the plane, they're holding the plane, and of course they had a taxi waiting outside to take me, and I sit there and I said, you know, it took me 30 seconds to stop and sign an autograph for a boy that was in a wheelchair, and, and, and I said, how many of today's wrestlers would do that, you know, uh First of all, if you work for WWE, you better not get caught signing an autograph uh, and not charging $40, uh, You because know, anything you sell or give, you better be having a reason and, and bringing in the money for it, uh, So, uh, but I would want to be back in the territories. I really like the territories, uh, you know, and there's not very many of the girls can, can sit there and say that I wrestled every ter- territory in the United States that they had. Uh, I said, uh, didn't particularly like the West Virginia one because you're up there in the mountains and the little hollows and, and these little towns that you've that were specs <laughs> that you wondered <laughs> how they got the sunshine into them. But, but, um, uh, I made good, you know, uh, uh, and I, I, I made a lot of the territories once I left Mila, you know, uh, because a lot of the promoters, whenever they found out that uh, the girls wasn't making it, you know, that we were having to pay her 30 uh, percent. Of course, uh, I learned that uh, Judy and Leilani uh, in the 80s, they were only paying 20 percent. But I guess in the '80s is when Moolah kind of lost control of the girls. Whenever Senior died, and and Junior started taking over and doing the WrestleMania, uh, because um, that's when Junior figured out it was easier uh, to have other girls wrestle for him that were trained by somebody else, and that you know he could give them a contract for three months and and do what they wanted. And then wouldn't have to be bothered with them anymore. You know, they, they could go on about their merry way. Uh, and, and Mula, um, with whenever Judy and Lonnie became the Glamour Girls, um, they started fussing to Junior about the payoffs and everything. And he there and said, Y'all get you because Judy actually tried to get a 1099, and they said, We've already sent it to Mula. Uh, and she said, well, I need to do my taxes and said, well, you need to get it from MULA. You know, well, MULA wouldn't give a 1099 because you didn't get paid as much as you got paid. So um, Ben sat there and told Judy and Malani to get them a, their own post office box or their own address and they would send, start sending them their checks and um, he would take care of the, of the percentage from MULA you know, that they no longer had to pay. And of course, whenever they came back from uh, Japan with the jumping rather well, well, the mom angels didn't come back. Uh, uh, they finished up over in Japan and, and, and uh, they went by to say where, where the next bookings were. And, and um, said that the, had said, you know, well, hon, I don't know where your checks are. They hadn't come in yet. And Judy said, well, you know, uh, Ben sent them to my post office blocks. And, uh, she said, well, the PC, and he says, no, we don't pay you PC anymore. He'll take care of that. Well, that became the the beginning of the end, and then, of course, Velvet McIntyre, she ended up leaving, I guess she was just there just a few years, um, about like Vicky, but um, she, Mula had kept telling her she was going to get her green card for her because she was from Vancouver area, and then... uh Whenever she's going to let it expire, and then Mula was going to try to get her deported, and then and, uh, she tried to do that with Desiree Peterson, and then, and, and of course, Desiree was like me; she had a job doing uh, record keeping for a, a glass company. Uh, because she sat there and told Mula, like I did, you know, I, I got bills I got to pay, so I can't can't wait for a, a wrestling show if we're not going to wrestle. You know, I got to have a, a check coming in somewhere. Right. And, and, uh, but, um, you know, Velvet figured out that it wasn't going to be a living in wrestling. So, you know, and, and I guess it was right after Vicky had got her neck broke that, that she figured that, you know, she might as well, uh, figure out how to get back to Vancouver and, and, be back before her card ran out because back in the day, we didn't have to worry about going through that much of customs, going back and forth across Canada or Mexico. You know, you just went across and come back and cross. If you had a license, you was able to be, you know, I said, now, it's a pain getting across the borders. Oh yeah, Susan, uh, um, in
2: 2017, I think i have the right. You were uh, inducted into the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, and mm-hmm. I want to read some of your fellow inductees: uh, Harley Race, Mick Foley, uh, fellow Texan Shawn Michaels, Larry the Axe Henning, Sputnik Monroe, and uh, Luther Lindsay, who, in my opinion, was one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. Yeah. So, what what is it like to be recognized for your greatness? Because that's really what it is.
1: Uh, I was shocked. I was amazed. Um, and actually, the only one that didn't show up was Shawn Michaels, and that was because v- Junior, Vince Junior, would not let him show up. He sent him out to Portland uh, for, for a training camp and, and tried to keep Mick from coming. And Mick was actually still doing therapy from his hip being replaced. And he up there and said, you're not keeping me from there. And, uh, you know, uh, when they had a, a a schedule for me to where I was supposed to be at the big blue and wherever I hadn't gotten down to the hour, almost, you know, I'd be signing autographs at this time. I'd be, uh, on a, um, question and answering from the, the fans at this, from this time to this time. And of course I was up there with Tiger Conway jr. And, and Mike, Nick Foley and all, and I sat there and said, but Sean was the only one that didn't show up. And there was five of us living, and Sean being one of them, that didn't show up. and But the other four of us were there, and then five that was inducted, that were passed away, and uh, Lindsay. but the families were there. You know, Sputnik Monroe's family, was, his children were there. And, and I said, it was amazed that, you know, that... The ten of us well nine out of the ten that was inducted um could get a um, picture of all of us all of the inductees uh standing together uh but but being recognized there um knowing that it was the the peers that voted us in um, made it that much more and it it was um, Amazing to me, whenever I opened and saw the limousine that had picked me up at the airport. Well, it was a suburban. uh, I opened the front door and I said, "Can y'all? I got to be back to Big Blue. Can y'all take me back?" Well, Mick Foley had his beard all trimmed up and he was in a matching uh, jumpsuit or wind suit and uh, or warm up suit. (laughs) (laughs) didn't look like the. The Mick Foley that you saw on TV, and and I said, uh he said, "Well, I can't. I'm just getting in from the airport." And I said, when he he went to speak, I went, "Oh my God!" And he said, "You're Susan Green," and I thought, "Yeah." And he said, "There," and I said, "Man, you've had a hard road to hole." And I said, "Me? Look at the road you've been on." And he said, "There," and I said, "Yeah, but it was by choice that I did what I did to my body. It wasn't by choice what happened to your body." And I thought, "Well, you got a point there," mm. <laughs> uh, because I sit there and said, "You know." i wouldn't have jumped off a 20-foot cage and went through a table for no amount of money (laughs) i might have been crazy and and me diving off the top rope doing the 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 big splash that i did um uh, that was considered one of the i was considered a high flyer um because of the head scissors and the drop kick and me diving off the top rope nobody else did those yeah um and, and I said, now I see the girls doing backflips and all the other crazy stuff and, and coming off the top rope and flipping and hoping the girls are there to catch you and hoping that the steps aren't there, uh, uh, that you know where you're at. And, I, and, and I, I guess that's one of the things I sit there and tell people whenever I'm training them. I try to make them do all these roles to get dizzy and then uh, – So, do you know where you're at in the ring? You know, how close are you to this? You know, where, um, because you always want to know where those steps are because you don't want to go out where the steps are.
0: (laughs) Right. I I, I imagine your, uh, your girls aren't going to have the, uh, bloody spot fests that you see in wrestling today where, you know, girls are going through tables covered in thumbtacks and. You know, having, okay. having bloodier, harder matches than the men did 10 years ago?
1: No, no. Uh, and and the, uh, the match over in Puerto Rico, where uh, that actually was me not getting my hand up to keep my head from hit oh. in the ring post. <clears throat> uh, it, it, it was a hard way, <laughs> but it wasn't.
2: It was. So that you, you did get color, though, right? It was,
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, Uh, but it it wasn't that it was intended, uh, but I said once it was got, it was make do with what we got, you know, it's an accident, um, and they don't ever see it, so go for it, you know, Uh, but I sit there and said it was one of the things that, that, and I don't know if it was when I went into the wall on the brick or when she threw me into the, the ring post, but I said it. And we went up to the fence where the people were sitting, and then we went all the way back to the the ring at the home plate. So I sit there and said, you know, I, I don't don't remember exactly what happened, but I, I do remember getting the color. But it was on my behalf because when she turned around, she started saying, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry," and I thought, "Not your fault, no." One. and and. Uh, <sighs> But another girl that I wrestled, the giant, Andrea the Giant, I wrestled her in, in uh, Allendale, South Carolina, and uh, hit the ring post, and it. I've got a scar in my eyebrow over my left eye uh, that, that I put a heck, it, it should have had stitches, and I thought, I'm fine. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> just, just another day at the office.
0: Every, every once in a while it works. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the meteoric rise a few years back of, of Becky Lynch would never have happened without the images of her, of when she fully embraced that broken nose in the middle of the spot, you know, the bloody face and all.
1: Yeah. But
0: yeah, Sue, uh, we, <laughs> here we, we find ourselves again, Benny, at the end of a show with still so much more to talk about. Oh yeah. Um, Again, I, I thank you for your time. Uh, we always love having you call in. Before we let you go tonight, any uh, any parting final thoughts?
1: Uh, I, I know you asked about it. Did I know Gino Hernandez? I was actually in Houston on his very first match, and I said I parked my uh, car in the parking lot, and I saw this limousine driving up and the driver getting out and opening, and I thought, who is this? And it was his very first match, and it was an opening match. You know, he wasn't even up in the card. It was an opening match for Gino Hernandez, but heck of a guy. Uh, couldn't ask for a nicer guy. The,
2: the, in my mind, the two biggest what ifs in the history of wrestling, The uh, number two would be Magnum TA. Look, what would have happened if he had not gotten into that car accident? But number one is Gino Hernandez. I mean, if oh, that yeah. guy had not, you know, if he kind of kept his, you know, nose clean a little bit, what kind yeah. of career would that guy have had? I, I think he could have had a Ric Flair type career.
1: Oh, he could have had a Flair or a Hulk Hogan. He, Magnum T A R or, or Gino would have been able to climb that ladder um, and, and been well above. And, 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 and you know, uh, Magnum TA might have even gave Ric Flair a, a run for the money for the NWA.
2: I think they would have traded the title many, many times. Oh, yeah.
1: You yeah. uh, know. And I think Flair um, kept it as long as he did because he was one that tell him where he needed to be and he'd go, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and and Ashley, a Charlotte, sat there and said, you know, she just wished she would have grown up having her father there. It's not that she didn't have everything she wanted, but it was just, you know, it wasn't a, a one family, you know, but her mother was mother and father because Flair was always on the road. But back in the territory days, that's the way, and of course, when he got the, the title put on him, uh, he was really in territories all over because they wanted the NWA because the NWA was most of all the territories and, until you got to the AWA up in Minnesota area and then uh, then WWWF in, in New York. Uh, everything else ran under the NWA, uh, but uh, yeah, Magnum TA. I, I'm sure that they would have been willing to. Flip the title back and forth more. But, uh, Gino, um, he, he's like Rick. He, he had a mouse that you didn't have to put anything in front of him. He was able to talk, put the mic in front of him, and, and you knew whatever came out of his mouth was going to be, uh, something everybody would be wanting to repeat or, or wanting to hate him for.
0: And I think with the, uh, they both magnum and, and gino both had the the aura and character that i think would have transferred to the arcade kind of video game style that that the wwf oh, yeah. went through in the later years like you know when rick flair came in in the early 90s and fit right yeah. in with sid and hogan and then i think yeah. they both would have had good runs if they had ended up working for vince at that time too oh oh yeah
1: Uh, but, you know, I, I think with me, I, I, if I would could have started back in the the, the 50s and 60s and those turn now, I, I wouldn't have wanted the paydays that they had because they were worse than what we had. <laughs> but um, I would still want to be in the territories. I, I, I don't like, you know, um, I think the AEW is trying to bring the wrestling back and, and Ring of Honor is trying to bring the girls back and um, – they're both having some of the girls that you don't have to be so much TNA. Um, you can actually have some weight on you, uh, and, and wear a, a bathing suit, uh, to, to be able to wrestle for those companies. Yeah.
0: Very nice. Benny, before we, uh, before we let Sue go, any, any final thoughts? Well, I think we're gonna to have to bring her back on because we we went from two percent two percent
2: to maybe five percent. We still have another ninety five percent to go, right? We,
0: we had fifty fifty years. Uh, fifty years in back in almost what you said fifty four before we started uh, recording. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah fi- fifty four years.
0: Fifty four years of a career to get through. I think we're on year like seven, and even after we two we shows, we gotta do like even if we do like nine years.
2: Per per episode, that
1: that would take us six
0: episodes to finish. Yes. You
1: never can tell, I might make a comeback. (laughs) But only if I'm able to make a comeback. Right. (laughs) It won't, you know. uh, I I got two guys that's going to be starting in uh, March um, training, and and, I said, uh, I'll know uh, how well I'm able to do with training. You know um i got all my other guys that i've trained that are wrestling uh on a lot of the independents that sit there and said yeah you don't try to do that you call me (laughs) it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) if i need you i'll call you
0: (laughs) i love it we'll uh we'll definitely keep an eye out for you as things go but uh Again, Sue, thank you so much for your time. Like Benny said, we'll have to have you back on and uh, do a, a part three and and part seventeen, and we'll we'll have uh what we'll more? We'll, we like the uh, uh, what are those the the Fast and Furious movies, Benny? We'll be we'll be part twelve in space by the time we get to the <laughs> end. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sounds good to me.
0: Okay, well, thank you again, Sue. We I appreciate your time, and and th- uh, you yeah, have yourself a good evening and. Like I said, uh, you have a lot of good stuff out there online. Anybody needs to uh, the, that wants to can check it out. There's there's lots of good yep. stuff. Uh, Text screen. You had a hell uh, a lot, hell of a run, and just coming back from the injury, knowing that some of the stuff that we can find on YouTube was after you you came back from uh, injuries that, that that should have ended careers. Uh, it's just impressive stuff. So again, thank yeah. you for your time, yeah. and, and it's such a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me.
0: Yes, ma'am. Have,
1: you right. have a good night
0: good night Susan. you bet good night bye bye. benny we, we say it every week it seems like we barely scratched the surface i mean this is two two parts and, and still so much more to tell and so much more to go into i mean uh we didn't even get to the national stuff um barely touched on the time in puerto rico It's just I mean, she was going chronologically with some of her stories and we were still in the early 80s, 45 minutes into the narrative. It's it's so much you don't realize. And, you know, the funny thing is we kind of you kind of go in with this mindset of, you know, the women weren't as active and, you know, you don't think like, oh, uh, you know, you didn't see women's wrestling as much, but she was still a couple hundred matches a year and driving the, the back and forth and the ha- the handshake and a hot dog, like, what'd she say, three cents a mile, you know, even even gas prices back then, three cents a mile, barely right. pays for the trip. But I,
2: I heard, I mean, I heard her say New Zealand. I heard her say Tonga. Mm-hmm. I heard her say Samoa. And I believe, well, Japan. And I think even on the last show, she said something about wrestling in uh, South Africa. So, I mean, that in itself is like I mean that's a hell of a career. I mean she wrestled all over the world and India. That's the other, yeah. the other place she
0: wrestled. Yeah, I mean you you have uh, pretty much um, uh, she you know she she's had a match on on nearly every continent. Uh, you know <laughs> you talk about time zones and and all over the world and that's that's with a, 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 a it's funny to think that's a slow career, but then you you look at the women's wrestling today with you know, mid mid tier curtain jerker women wrestlers making six figures, and they might wrestle fifty matches a year on a bad, you know, a hundred matches a year if, if the house show circuit's busy, and you, know, and you get, you know, uh, even during during her when she was with Moolah and some of that stuff during her slow time, she's at a hundred matches by March, right. <laughs> You know, what really
2: did my heart good, though, is when I asked her that question is where she would want to wrestle. She didn't she didn't choose the money. She chose the territories. And, you know, we've had Davey O'Hannon on this show and, and, you know, guys like Davey O'Hannon and Johnny Rods and and Susan and people like that. I mean, me as a fan, I can never thank them enough because, I mean, they weren't making a lot of money. And they were, I mean, literally, you know, I, I, I always refer to Evan Ginsburg's movie, 350 Days. I mean, these guys were on the road every single day, you know, eating crappy diner food or, a, you know, a hot dog stand. Yeah. You know, staying staying four people to a hotel room, you know, wrestling with busted fingers and fevers, you know, sprained ankles just to entertain us and, and yep. to feed their family. And I could never thank these people enough for doing that.
0: I mean, you, you know, you think about. Even the, the, the large, I mean, some of the names we've had, like, you know, talking to Bill Dundee and Dominic Danucci and Ivan Putzky. I mean, these were big stars. This isn't, you know, oh, there's six of us. We just started. I mean, these are, these are big names, champions and, and people who are, are selling tens of thousands of tickets a month across the country. And they're living off gas station cheeseburgers and, and like you said, uh, Five or six people deep in a rental car, sleeping on taking turns sleeping on the floor in a hotel room. Right. Still, still scraping pennies together. Yep. And it's just the old uh, baloney blowouts. <laughs> baloney blowouts. I like it. It's it's true, and it's crazy how how far things have come. And now we look like I said they just uh, they just had the Royal Rumble weekend, twenty twenty three, a uh, seven point seven million dollar gate. increase in viewership from last year. It's this mega spectacular where you had a 30 woman rumble. And I think they said it was 12, 12 of the 30 women are well over six figure incomes with people like Becky and well, Charlotte wasn't in the match, but Becky, Charlotte, Rhonda, you have multiple women making millions of dollars a year and even some of your your NXT training upstarts are making high end salaries, and you just see how much money is in women's wrestling today. And it wouldn't have been wouldn't have even pretended to get that close to it without the the glamour girls and Sue and, and everything that that people like her did the, the women like her you know in, in the years leading up to it. Right. Exactly. But Benny, we've got. Uh, I mean, this was a great way to come back. Like I said, I was. Uh, Unfortunate injury last week laid me up and I wasn't able to do the show. We have uh, next week is going to be interesting because we we owe it to the fans to catch up and make up for it. We've got two two episodes next week. Uh, One will go live Tuesday, one Thursday. And uh, we're hit the ground running. Like you said, we've got good plans through through the spring and and, uh, onward and upward. We keep going. Uh, There was a lot of support. When I I posted about my uh, updates and you just see how how close knit the the fan community is um, I mean our our page continues to to be very active and it's I, I like how mature and and appreciative the fans are and, and and we got a lot of good communications good stuff going and and of course the occasional uh, uh, rant about how uh, how much better the product was back in my day but you know you, you give the bad right.
2: But, you know, I what really did my heart good was the next morning, Wednesday morning, I got a message. And I'll even mention it was from Monty, from Monty and the Pharaoh, who actually really loves our show and wanting to know why we didn't drop an episode. <laughs> I think, like, wow. <laughs> yeah. The, I, the, I, I, the, know, the, I
0: guess we the, do make uh, a difference. Yeah, the, the numbers, you know, were there. And I, like I was telling you uh, before we, we went on the air today that we had we had decent uh, decent average numbers as far as our downloads and listens and all the Wednesday uh, people came looking for the episode. And that's, that's neat. You know, like I said, it's, it's uh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna displace uh, Jim Cornette or Kevin Nash or any of the big names uh, that, that are, that are moving up the charts, but you know, not, not a bad showing for a couple of guys with the uh, like I said a couple of microphones and a laptop in our garage, right?
2: Well, all I know is the hookers are still lined up and
0: that's all I care about. <laughs> Well, you'll uh, you, you'll more more time to enjoy retirement as the show goes <laughs> that's, on. That's why I retired. I love it. So for the BS Express himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan I'll Have a good night, everyone. Two episodes next week, and we will see you next time we're in the ring.